and for the reading scriptures in your bulletin. We're reading 2 Kings chapter 22, verses 14 through 20. Hilkiah the priest, Achem, Akbor, Shaphan, and Asiah went to speak to the prophet Huldah, who was the wife of Shalom, son of Tikvah, the son of Horas, keeper of the wardrobe. She lived in Jerusalem in the new quarter. She said to them, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, tell the man who sent you to me, this is what the Lord says. I am going to bring disaster on this place and its people according to everything written in the book the king of Judah has read because they have forsaken me and burned incense to other gods and aroused my anger by all the idols their hands have made. My anger will burn against this place and will not be quenched. Tell the king of Judah who sent you to inquire of the Lord. This is what the Lord the God of Israel says concerning the words you heard, because your heart was responsive and you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I have spoken against this place and its people, that they would become a curse and be laid waste. And because you tore your robes and wept in my presence, I also have heard you, declares the Lord. Therefore, I will gather you to your ancestors and you will be buried in peace. Your eyes will not see all the disaster I'm going to bring on this place. So they took her answer back to the king. This is the word of the Lord. Last week, we talked about discovering God's word. Discovering God's word. Second Kings 22, 8 through 13. Uh, Josiah reigned for 31 years. 31 years. Uh, his kingship began, begins at age 8. 8 years old. Where am I 8 years old? Anybody 8 years old in here? Now you know. See, this is the time my kids can't, no, just playing. Uh, they don't know their age. No, so we have, right, we've got an eight-year-old, amen, right? So eight years old, so this would be our queen this morning, amen? And so God seemed fit to have Josiah take over kingship at age eight, and pastor shared with us that, I'm so, I'm so glad. The word was, he said that, we are the ultimate determiner of our spiritual traje trajectory. What does that mean? That we, us, the individual, we decide where we're going. We have that ability. Not Satan, not your friends, not your family. Nobody can influence you the way you can. So our biggest enemy is not Satan, not the demons, our biggest enemy that we will ever face is me, is yourself. You think about it, and he always uses the gym analogy, right, working out. We know exactly what we need to do, which is go to the gym, exercise, eat healthy, and you will lose weight, and your body will transform. It's guaranteed, but guess what? We don't do it because of what? Ourselves. We sit there, we look at the TV programs, and we're like, man, I want a six-pack like that. Man, that looks good. I would love to. And we know exactly how to get there, but we don't do it. So our biggest enemy, our biggest competition that we will ever face is us, ourselves. So we are the determining factor of our spiritual trajectory. Uh, we see in 2 Chronicles some of Josiah's spiritual development. In uh, his teen years, he sought, to, uh, sought the God of David, 
his ancestor, in his teen years, so then now you can raise your hand, right? In his teen years, he began to think, what is it that God wants me to do? How do I, how do I be the king that God desires me to be? How do I do it? So he sought, right? The, 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 sought David and was like, look, look at how David did this thing, and look at the, the greats before me. And so he looked at them as examples. So for our teens this morning, and not just our teens, but everybody this morning, who are you looking to to better yourself? What, what word, what, what studies, what, um, what are you investing into to better yourself? So in his teen years, he thought that I, I, I got to change, I got to change this because right now we're in a place that I, I don't, uh, this is uh, this horrible right now. This land and people are worshiping false gods and they forgot about the real God and how do I, how do I fix this? And so what does it say? Josiah began an intervention for the idolatrous hoarders. Pastor talked about TLC, the channel TLC. Right? Hoarders. My wife said, that's my show. Right? And it, help me, Lord. Yeah, that is her show. I'll just say that. That is her show. An intervention took place. So Josiah began to uh, go around and he was smashing idols and, and carrying out all this, all this bad stuff. He's like, it has to be removed. And so we see that for us, for believers, no age. It doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter um, the, your, your physical capability. What really matters is the Lord. What really matters is your trust, is your faith, trusting in God. And so he begins at the age of eight, then his teen years, then it says Josiah dedicates 10 years of his life to cleaning out everything that was anti-God. 10 years of his life. When is the last time you spent, right? When is the last time I've spent 10 minutes clearing out things that don't, that are anti-God? Whether it's TV programs, whether it's um, my, uh, my re- uh, personal relationships, right? Maybe a, a career that is not of God. When is the last time we have spent quality time looking and praying and meditating and saying, Lord, what is it that you want me to do? How do you want me to live? How do you want me to live? In the midst of this deep cleaning, they come across the book of the law. As we said, that it, we don't know exactly what the book of the law was, but as Pastor said, we could go to Deuteronomy, we could look at Leviticus, we could look at these laws and see what was happening. And it says that when he came across the book of the law, they took it to him and they began to read it to King Josiah. Josiah it says that he violently tore his robe, violently, not, ah, but violently tore his robe at the sound of God's word. Ah, no, have mercy. He wept. So as I looked into Deuteronomy, and I looked into the scriptures and the seeing the curses and the disaster and the promises that God said would come across, come to the people because of their, um, their idolatrous behavior, I was shook to my core. I looked at the curses. Your, your wounds will be closed. Your wounds, your, your, your animals, your livestock will be gone. And I, so I began to look at this. 
I'm like, oh my, why? No, no wonder. When you put it in the context, he, I look at the, oh, I heard God's word. When's this last time we've heard God's word and we began to, um, to shake, to quiver? Like, oh my, I am not living according to God's law. I am not living according to God's principles. How, how do I do this? How do I live holy? How do I do it? It comes from trusting in God, reading his word, praying, discipleship class, 10 a.m., sharpen one another. How do I do this? Because a lot of us, if we are honest, sometimes we get into this Christian journey. We, I accept, I Lord, hey, you know what? Forgive me of my sins, wipe me clean as snow, and then what? I'm saved, now what? How do I live my life? And if I look at other people, I'm like, okay, I like that life, but I don't like that part of life, so I'll take that part. So then we take bits and pieces of different people's lives, and we're still not happy, we're still not satisfied, because God is saying, I'm your answer. I'm your fix. I'm the remedy. So I need you to trust in me. So the question for us is, when is the last time we read Scripture and it shook us to our, our very cold? Very cool. When is the last time? And I can honestly say that for me, it wasn't that long ago. I was here and I was sharing with you the things that have been going on in my life, wrestling with uh, anxiety and these different things and not wanting to be dependent upon medication because I know that God can fix me. And there was what a scripture I came across. And God says, you, when your anxiety was deep inside of me, David was pleading and, and, and telling God, you can deliver me from my anxiety. I trust you. And so when I looked at the scripture, I said, Lord, this is me. This is what I'm going through. I, I need you. I need you to deliver me like you delivered David because he's saying that you have the power to do it. And I'm trusting in you that you're going to make a way. And so we can't do that if we don't trust the scripture. If we don't look into the scripture, if we don't find out for ourselves, we can't ride mama's coattail. We can't ride daddy's coattail. My daddy told me at 13 years old, look, young man, you're not now responsible for looking into God's word and what he says do. If you don't do it, you're going to be accountable for it. So as I grew in my teen years and I started to look at scripture, I found out, I was like, oh, I shouldn't, ooh. There's a lot of stuff that I need to change in my life. But not only that, I began to think about there were things that I seen within my family that didn't line up with Scripture. And so I had to ask myself, hmm, the Word says this, my family does this, what does that mean? And so, like Josiah, I found out that I'm so thankful for God's grace God's grace, which steps in on our behalf. And so that's what we're going to be talking about this morning, God's, God's grace. So I apologize for the screens a little uh, crooked this morning, but our scripture is in 2 Kings, I mean, yeah, 2 Kings chapter 22, and we're going to be reading the verses 14 through 20, and it says, Hilkiah the priest, Ahikam, Akbor, Shaphan, Isaiah, went to speak to the prophet Huldah, who was the wife of Shalom, son of Tikvah, the son of Harhas, keeper of the wardrobe. She lived in Jerusalem in the new quarter. And so we're going to stop at verse 17. It says that she said to them, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel sell, says, tell the man who sent you to me, this is what the Lord says. I'm going to bring disaster on this place and its people according to everything written in the book the king of Judah has read. 
because they have forsaken me and burned incense to other gods and aroused my anger by all the idols their hands have made, and my anger will burn against this place and will not be quenched. Let's stop right there. We see right here it says that God, so Josiah is in this place. He, they came across the book of the law. They read the scripture. They t- he tore his robe violently because something in there was like, you gotta, you, you're messed up. It, it's, it's bad for you. So he's, he, he, he tears his robe. So now he's like, okay, but what does this mean? I need answer. So what does he do? He inquires from the Lord. He goes up, sends his men, asks them, what does this mean? What does this scripture mean? King Josiah inquires uh, concerning the book of the law. The prophetess assures uh, King Josiah's men that what? Disaster, curses, his anger will be against Judah, will be against, against, this, uh, against the nation. He assures it, it will. And so now we find ourselves like Josiah. Maybe we too have inherited some, some problems. We've inherited some sin issues from our families. But, as Pastor has said, our inheritance of sin problems is no excuse to perpetuate that sin. So just because our family struggled with something, right, so you know it's like, my mama struggled with this, or my daddy struggled with this, so I'm going to have the same issue. You might. As I look at my, my DNA is William Mitchell Houston. I, some of the things that my father wrestled with, I too wrestle with. But guess what? It's no excuse for me to perpetuate that sin. Why? Because God says, here's my word, son. Look at this scripture. I know y- your dad wrestled with this, but I'm, your, I'm the ultimate father. And so I know that, you, that you're going to wrestle and you're going to be challenged and you're going to be tempted, but guess what? In my word, you'll find my grace. Because what does scripture say? That my grace is sufficient for my power is made perfect in weakness because all of us here are weak. All of us just try to be good. You don't know how hard it is to try to be good when you try. Just try to be good for an hour. Don't think nothing negative. Don't, don't say nothing negative and see, if, see what happens. I've sat there and I'm like, ooh, oh Lord, sorry. There goes two seconds. Let me try it again. Reset. Father God, and ooh, where'd that come from? So my power is made perfect in weakness. God says, the only way you can do this is with me. So like King Josiah, we may have inherited some issues, but we must fight against our natural self. We must fight against the carnal, uh, Nathan, the carnal. We have to focus on God and allow him to deliver us. Our spiritual destination is determined by our present choices. Our spiritual destination is determined by the choices that we are making right now. When you listen and you hear God's word right now, what you choose to do with God's word right now will determine ultimately where you go. It doesn't matter if you're little, if you're a teen, an adult, the decisions that you're making right now will impact where you're headed. In the text, we see God's anger brewing toward his people because of their disobedience. They have forsaken God. They burned incense to other gods. They have worshipped idols their hands have made. Our homework this morning is I want you to read Isaiah 44. 
In Isaiah 44, God talks about these false gods, idols their hands have crafted. Not only did they craft uh, these idols, they would bow down and worship to them. I want you to read Isaiah 44. I found it interesting. When I looked at the scripture and I was reading Isaiah, it was like as if God was, he, he was up to here with this. You know what? I've had enough. And he says, there is no God beside me. No, not one. There's no rock besides me. No, not one. And he begins to prophesy, and he's telling the people that, look, no, nobody comes before me. And he says, let your idols, let them tell you what the future will hold. Come on. I'm listening. What, what is that? Nothing, because there's no God beside me. He begins to prophesy about a king who will, have, who will come along 200 years in, in this moment, so he's going in and just letting them know, I'm tired of this. You bow down, you worship idols, you create idols, and then you take some, you take some, some wood, you craft it, you take a little bit, you use it to burn a fire, to keep warm, you take the other half, you know what, to put your, your, your bread on, to heat your bread up, to heat your meat, then you take the rest, and you craft the idol, and then you bow down and you worship, and you say, save me. That begs the question for us, what idols have we created in our lives? What issues do we have? Or have what idols have we carved? What are the things in our life? What are the things that really we, we need to change? We need to allow God to move them out of the way because they don't bring us no satisfaction. They don't bring us any joy. They don't bring us, bring us any peace. So read Isaiah 44. He lets them know, look, bow down and worship that false idol. And I'll wait to see if they answer your prayer request. Because you, cre you crafted that. You took half to keep you warm. You took the other half and you bowed down to it. Does that even make sense? Does that even make sense? And so we all have been challenged with this question that the pastor has shared with us. What, when is the last time we've seen God's word? It has shaken us to our core. And then, what idols have we created? This can be a person, any place, any person, place, or thing that has taken God's throne in your life is an idol. Relationships, careers, status, money, possessions, alcohol, drugs, street or prescription. <laughs> and might I add, maybe, maybe it might be ministry for you. Ministry might be your God. It's like, no, nobody else can do this like the way I can. So it's my ministry. It's my God. I'm going to serve this thing, not because I want to bless people, but because I want people to see me. So even ministry can become your God, can become your idol. So we have to trust and, and say, Lord, is my heart pure? I know I want to, I know I feel like I'm called to do this. I'm called to sing this song, but am I singing for your glory? For your praise? Or do I want to see people shout and, and praise and say, Nay, you did such a great job. I love the way you sung that song. It really moved me to my core, and God gets no glory. So we have to examine ourselves, examine our motives. King Josiah inherited the sin problems from those before him. We can learn from King Josiah today. He didn't let those inherited problems deter him from what God desired him to be. Some of us here today are in the same situation. We have had inherited sin. We have some things just like mom and daddy. 
There's some things. Well, my, my parents were bad with finances, so I'm going to be b- bad with finances. But God says, look at my word, and the Bible says that look at the ant. Look at the ant. He tells all of us. doesn't matter who your parents are. In Proverbs, he says, look at the ant. You have a problem saving money? Look at the ant. What does the ant do? What, it stores up. When it's raining, when, in the summertime, guess what they're doing? Taking all the food, we're going in because it's going to be raining soon. And it's Sacramento, so it might rain tomorrow, so I got to go take this. I don't know, right? So they're storing away, storing away. And guess what? When it's wintertime and it's raining, they're eating good. They got lobster, shrimps, yams, rams, potatoes, right? They got everything, right? They got everything they need because why? They said, you know what? The ant, this is, I'm talking about an ant. And God says, you have no excuse. It doesn't matter what your mom and your dad, and they didn't leave you no big house, no big car. And I, I'm, I'm being transparent. That was me. If my mama would have, if my daddy would have, and I begin to think about if they would have just did this, then I would be better off. And God said, look, well, look what I gave you right now. Look what you got right now and what you're doing with it. Look at the ant. Look at the ant. So for all of us this morning, we have no excuse because God has says that it's I break generational curses because I am God. I am God. So it was, it was all right. The clap, we was like, I don't know if I should clap. Or like, I, I, I'm feeling it, but I don't want people to know that I, I'm kind of struggling. So, I mean, maybe i catch him on the next one. Amen. Amen. Um, but God has the final say-so. If you don't believe me, look at the scripture. Josiah tore his robes. Josiah tore his robes at the, and cried out in, to God in repentance. He displayed a turning away from sin. As we've seen in the previous verses, King Josiah, after hearing the uh, words, violently tore his robes, wept in God's presence. In other words, Josiah began to weep for Israel's sin. Remember, Pastor Meeks asked a very important question. When is the last time you read God's word and it broke you? It broke Josiah. He heard it. He was instantly broken, violently. And I remember... And he asked, when the pastor asked that question, I was listening to the podcast, I was like, ooh, that's like yesterday. Looking at it, you come across some scripture, and you're just like, Lord, have mercy. I was like, ooh, Lord, I don't, I need you. I, this is why I need Jesus, because I am so messed up. I, as I look into your scripture, and I see your word, there's no possible way that I can accomplish it. There's no way. There's no way that I can do it. So Josiah wept for Israel. When the word of God comes real, becomes real to us, we will see real transformation in our lives. When the word becomes real to us, then we will see real transformation. King Josiah was convicted and humbled by God's word. Why was he convicted and humbled? Because God's word was real. You won't be convicted. You won't be humble. You won't, it won't have no impact or anything. You can read scripture and be like, hmm. That's a good story. But when God, God's word becomes real to you, and you realize that all scripture is God-breathed and good for correcting, rebuking, and teaching in righteousness, you will be changed because you understand that, wow, I've applied this to my life, and I see true transformation. When we apply God's word and it becomes real to us, that's when our lives begin to change. I was sharing with Matt earlier that I was listening to Dr. Campbell. He's like, quit talking about it. 
quit talking about all this stuff. That, just let God into your life. Let God into your life and allow him to work. Allow him to work. You won't have to preach as hard. You won't have to teach as hard because people will look at your life and say, hmm, it's something about them. You don't have to, and, and for, for all of us today, but we trust God. He does the, he does the rest. I told you, I've, I've shared with you multiple times, I, you know, you just being, being anointed, just having the Spirit upon you. You walk into a room, and somebody just wants to talk about prayer or how they need prayer, and you mind your own business, and you don't have to, you don't have to try. God's like, you belong to me. People will recognize you. You look different. You, you talk different, right? You're going through something, but you ain't lost your mind because God is with you. So when we trust in God, he, he does the rest. We don't have to work. We don't have to, it's like, how much can I, how much can I? And then we realize, I'm tired now. I'm tired, I'm tired of acting. I thought my life was trying to, I was fronting. I was trying to show you that it looked good, but I'm broken. But we trust God and allow him to, like King Josiah, who's broken by God's word. And because of this humility, what happened? Verse 19. Because your heart was responsive and you humbled yourself before me, your eyes will not see disaster I am going to bring on this place. Because your heart was responsive and you humbled yourself before me, your eyes will not see the disaster I'm going to bring on this place. Here God's grace intervenes on King Josiah's behalf, and not just him, also those who lived during this era. So we have to realize that our decisions have ripple effects, like a stone in a calm river. King Josiah's brokenness impacted many. I must admit that I'm guilty of being selfish and wanting what I want, right? There's times where we all get in this, but we have to look at Josiah's life. He humbled himself, and God said, because I seen your heart was responsive and you humbled yourself, guess what? Your eyes will not see this disaster, which means that the people around this same time era, guess what? They're going to be spared too. Why? Because of your, right, your humility. So in our lives, the decisions that we make when we sin affect those around us. When we're being rebellious, no, God, I want to do what I want to do, that sin, right? So now you're blocking, you're being, uh, uh, you're, you're blocking God's blessing because you're being selfish and you don't want to allow God to use you. And there's somewhere right there on the side of you who is struggling, who is, who is hurting, who is in pain and suffering, and all they need is your prayer, but because you're mad at God, because he didn't move the way you wanted him to move, you're blocking somebody's blessing. I know we've all seen a commercial, right? It's my money, I want it now. It's my money, I want it now. It's my prodigal son, what? It's my inheritance, I want it now, Dad. Give it to me now. Gave it to him, what happened? He was eating with pigs. So, because our life, God knows that. Look, look, check this out. God knows us. Think about this. God knows us. Before we were formed in the womb, God knew us. God knows every stronghold, every temptation, every trial, every tribulation, every storm, everything that is going to happen to you in your life, it doesn't surprise God. And that's how we live. Sometimes we're like, oh, God, guess what? You see what happened? What 
God, you just seen what happened? He's like, I know I allowed it to happen. I'm trying to get you to trust me. I'm working on you. Right? And so, for we have to remember that God, he knows it all. And that's what happened. When we see that God, God's word is real, and we, so, if God's word is real, that means that it says that in Genesis, in the beginning, God created. If we stop and just have enough faith to believe that in the beginning, God created. In the beginning, God created. If we take those words and we have faith that, okay, God, you are the creator, which means that you created me, all my issue, uh, everything that I'm going to deal with, right? And some of it, we, we try to blame Satan. It's like, oh, Satan is just so, no. The scripture says that each one is tempted by his own evil desire. It's not Satan. It's you. It's like, but Satan made me, he gave me the opportunity, but you wanted to. Why? Because that evil that is within you drug you off, right? So when we understand that God's word is real, it should change the way we behave. Because God says that I am the first, I am the last, I am the alpha and the omega, I am the beginning and the end, right? There's nothing that happens in this world that I'm not aware of. So did Josiah, right? King Josiah read the word. It was, oh, Lord, have mercy. Father God. And God was like, I, know, I knew this was going to happen. And because I knew that you were going to be humble, your eyes will not see this disaster. And so for all of us today, we have the same opportunity. There are some issues in our lives that are un unresolved. There's some complications. There's some trouble. There's some stress. There's some burdens. And God's saying, trust me. Trust me. Why? Because my grace is sufficient. But scripture also teaches that God desires a broken and contrite heart. God wants us to be broken. He wants us. Why? Because when we are broken, when we are contrite, he can put us back together. We were not we're not arrogant. We're not cocky. We're not full of ourselves. We're not prideful. When we're broken, when we understand that, Lord, it's nothing that I can do. There's nothing that I can do. So Josiah understood this. I am broken, Lord. I need you to fix this. Have mercy on me. Have mercy on Israel. Have mercy. And God said, I love your brokenness. And because of that, because you, your heart was responsive, because you're, that's why, what does the scripture say? If my people would humble themselves, if my people would humble myself, then I would heal their land. Why? I'm not going to heal it because you're too arrogant. You're too, you're too cocky, right? You think it's you when it's really me. So if my people would humble themselves, then I would show up. So today we have to ask ourselves, am I humble? Am I living with humility? Or am I puffed up? Am I prideful? Is it the me show? Or is it about God? Josiah said, it's about you, God. I'm broken. Fix me. You see, in Scripture it says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are those. I, King Josiah hungered. Eight years old? Teen years? Teen, teenager? What? 
I had to, when I read, I was like, dang, okay, he said, and in his 10 years, guess what? I'm going to dedicate 10 years of my life to clean all this mess up. I know I'm not responsible for it. it I inherited all this junk, all these false idols. I, it's not me. It wasn't, it wasn't my idea, but guess what? I am the king now. And so I decide that we're going to clear all this garbage out, all these false idols, all these bad relationships, and we're going to admit and we're going to serve the true God. So in our lives, you need to decide for you and your household that it needs to stop here. This is it. Guys, you said your grace is sufficient, so I need, I need you to help me stop it here. I want it to get better. I want it to get better. So we have to trust God that he will work it out. God extends grace to us and how beautiful and precious it is. King Josiah wept and wailed and violently tore his robes at the sound of God's word. How much more today should we be weeping and wailing because the grace God offers through Christ Jesus, through his death, burial, and resurrection. God's grace blankets us from what we truly deserve. The reason the world does not respond to the God's word is because the world does not know that it needs a savior. When you understand how broken and how shameful and how guilty and how dirty you are, and then you see Christ and how he says, come learn from me, right? Come drink from me, and it's free, and you can't do anything to deserve it. Why? I'm giving my life simply because I'm giving my life because I love you. And there's no work, there's nothing that you can do to change that. I'm going to die for you. How much more should we be weeping? Should we be wailing? Should we be screaming and thanking and shouting and praising God because Christ has stepped, up, stepped in? So it's as if when you think about this, he heard the word, and at that moment, Josiah realized that this is, this is what I truly deserve. Disaster, curses, pain, suffering. This is what I deserve. This is what the nation deserves. But Christ, look at our lives. Insert, insert your name. I deserve, I know we would like to think that I deserve a nice life. I deserve the best of the best. I deserve, we, that's what we believe, but the Bible tells us differently. Because of our spiritual nature, because of how we naturally are. And I'll use my, my daughter, for example. I was talking to um, Nala, and she, I had t gave her specific instructions to not do something. And she did it. She did it anyway. So immediately, right, there was punishment. I wanted to punish her because I, I specifically told you not to touch it. And what did you do? You touched it. And so I, 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 I reached back, right, and I said, God's grace stepped in. God's grace stepped in because she said, Daddy, I'm sorry. I apologize. I, it was an accident. I didn't mean to do it. I seen that her heart was responsive. I seen that she realized that she had made a mistake, that she was in this place of repentance. She was turning away from where she was headed. And so for me, I had to step in and say, you know what? I'm going to spare you. So insert your name. You've done something that God says, I told you not to do it. And we know that this, the penalty for sin is what? Death. Nothing short. 
You deserve, all of us here deserve death. Why? Because we're sinful. We're sinful. There's no question about it. We're sinful. But Christ steps in on our behalf, steps in on our behalf, and says, don't punish me. Pour out all your wrath, all your vengeance, all of it on me. He intercedes on our behalf because we know that God cannot spare sin. So when we understand that, we begin to see Christ and his work on the cross, on Calvary, why he, why he died, because we deserve sin, we deserve death, which is the penalty for sin, but Christ says, no, Father, I'll take their debt. If, I don't know about you, but the, if you had a 10 million, 20 million, what, billion dollar debt, and if somebody paid it off, I don't know about you, but I'm going to be running around thanking God, even if I'm still broke, right? The debt is just paid, and that just puts me at zero. I'm going to be hollering and shouting, hallelujah, thank you, Lord, because I didn't have the money. I don't know, they were talking about they were going to take my daughter and, and, and my wife, and, and, and I, I didn't know how I was going to pay the price, but God stepped in and says, I want to pay the price. I'm going to die for you. I'm going to pay your $1 billion debt. And guess what? It's free of charge. You want me to pay you back? There's nothing. You can't pay me back. But you, you sure? I could, there's nothing you can do. You know we like to, we don't got it, but we try to, but I, I, I got a little, you know, you know how it is. I got a little something I can put on it. I ain't got the whole thing, but I can put something on it. You know, we try to, you know, but no, it's like, no, there's nothing you can do. But what I do ask is that you serve me. Right? So as Christians, we don't, we, don't say, we don't work to be saved. Because we're saved, we work. Right? As, I don't, I'm not doing this so that I can go to heaven. I'm out here passing out pamphlets because I know that once I get enough, I'm on my thousand. I, this is here, number thousand. I handed out a thousand. I'm going to heaven. No, there's nothing I can do. There's nothing I can say. All I, I'm wor- because I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful that somebody paid my debt. I'm out here. I'm grinding. How you doing, sister? Can I pray for you? Can I, can I pray for you? Can I, can, you want to come to class? Can I love on you? Why? Because God has done a work in my life. So for us, God's grace is so, fi- so, so sufficient. He's so powerful. So for all of us this morning, he stepped in. Know that God's grace is sufficient. It doesn't matter what you did, what you said, what, you, what you're thinking. God forgives you, not on your own merit, but because of his unmerited favor. His, his, his favor is so good. When you think about that, when you think about God, your favor, you don't deserve it. It's just God says, because I love you. You're like, what? I didn't, no, I thought it was because I, I look nice. No, it's because I'm choosing to give out my grace to you because I love you. All of us have access to that same favor. So let us use, I'm going to leave on this note, let us leave knowing that we are walking in God's grace, but the Bible has made it clear. It says that shall we live Right? So shall we continue this sin that may grace may increase? So because we're forgiven, right, does that mean we need to sin more? No. 
right? But we would like, sometimes we're like, well, I got God's grace, so I'm going to go in and do it anyway. I know I'm not the only one. There's times where I, I know, I know you'll forgive me, so, but God is saying, shall we, no, by no means, shall we continue to live in sin that grace shall ever increase? No, because God loves us, and because we, we say we love him, our lives should reflect that. I don't do because God saved me. I'm turning away from my sin. I'm running away from it. And it's a process. And as me and Pastor Bird were talking about this morning, our discipleship class, this is where you come. This is where you grow. Because she's like, I need to know how to, how to work this thing out. How do, I, how, how do I live the Christian life? How do I go on this earthly journey? How do I do it? Being connected with other believers. Experiencing that grace. When you see other people who are, have shared that same grace that you shared, you're encouraged by one another. So all of you, I hope that you understand that God's grace is sufficient for your life. There's no sin too big or too small. God covers all of your sin, and he loves you. He loves you. Let us pray.